let us call upon a God who desires to answers. I recall a scripture in Jeremiah where he says, call upon me and I will show you great and mighty works you know not of. So that's the God that's winning that we are praying to, calling on, and, and just pleading to meet us this morning. That his word, it will encourage us. It would make our souls happy. That it would renew our minds. That it would strengthen us in an area where we might be weak this morning. We just need God this morning just to show up in a mighty way, individually and as a body, to continue. So God, who is holy, we call upon you, faulty and fallen, and yet needy and yet made right, the holy one of the person of Christ. We, your holy ones, because Christ is holy for us, we come to you boldly saying we need you today to speak to us. Some may have come and hear God really wanting to throw in a towel and said, I'm done with you. Will you meet them this morning, God? Will you be glorified this morning by the preaching of your word? Will you do that for us this morning? Would you allow your spirit to work in and through us this morning? Daddy, we need you. We need you even to listen well and to respond well to your call to us this morning. Will you do that? For your name's sake, I ask it in your son's name. Amen. Well, if you are just coming in this Sunday and this is your first time being here, we are in the middle of a series of sermons entitled Upside Down Living. We are taking a journey through Matthew uh, chapter 5 through uh, chapter 7. Uh, we'll be here for a while. And so if you come back next week or next month or even next year, you'll find us in this lovely uh, uh, book uh, penned by Matthew, Christ's own disciple. And so now we're going to, we have been preaching about the Beatitudes. We've, 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 we've gone through all eight of those and now we're going to See, what all does that mean? How does that actually play out in our lives? And so today we're going to be in and hang around just one verse today, and that is Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. Sodium chloride is a fancy name for salt. And salt gets a lot of bad press. And, and I get it. Uh, too much salt uh, may cause one to have 
hypertension, cause one to become obese, or deal with hyper or heart disease. However, however bad the press is for salt, the truth is, is that if you are living, you need salt. Did you know that, 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 that salt is the only element that is found in every cell of a human's body? That actually, that without the thing, that without salt, we would not survive or live. Indeed, every organism known to man needs some hint of salt to survive. I believe Christ knew this uh, when he said in Luke 14, 34, that salt is good. As the creator of would be for the human life and on the earth. There are many reasons that we see, or, 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 or many reasons, or, or, or we see of salt, many uses uh, uh, of salt, but we're going to highlight a few this morning. Number one, when you look back at ancient uh, East, that salt at the time, it prevented decay. See, back then, they didn't have a fridge, a deep freezer, or what we call back in the day, an icebox. In uh, the time, they had, they had to salt the meat and meat to prevent it from, from decaying. Salt slowed down the process of decay. Not only did salt slow down that, but it also produced a thirst. Whenever someone consumes a good amount of salt, naturally they become thirsty. Salt, it prevents decay. It, it produces thirst, but it also provides flavor. Uh, again, back in, in the ancient East times, people would use salt to make things taste better. Uh, I like how one young man said this, salt is what makes food taste bad when it's not on it. I, I, I like that because I myself, I won't eat much without some hint of Salt. Why? Salt is a difference maker. Uh, never had fried chicken without salt. Baked chicken. I never had it without salt. Uh, have not enjoyed many meats without the, uh, uh, the flavoring of salt because salt, at the end, it makes things better. Jesus says of his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. Now, he, 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 he may be referring to one or all three of these uses. But when it's all said and done, let's just think about it just a little bit. When it comes to preventing decay, the presence of the saints in the earth is a sovereign act of God's restraining grace on the earth. Think about it. Without saints being divinely scattered throughout the earth, the forces of evil will have little or no restraint. 
when it comes to producing thirst, our lives should cause those who live in the world seeking to be satisfied by the fleeting and passing pleasures of sin that our life should produce in them a thirst for a Savior who is the living well that promises that whoever drinks what, what he has to offer will never thirst again. When it comes to providing flavor, just as salt makes food better, Christians, those who follow Christ, naturally should make the earth a better place by influencing the sinful world of the delight and goodness of the kingdom of God. We are flavor throughout the earth by making it a better place because of our placement on the earth. Can I ask you a question? Is evil being held back because of your presence? Are people thirsting for a gracious Savior because of you? Is your home, work, place, school, or community made better because you are there? Christ has said, I've, I've called you to be a difference maker on earth. So we'll be looking at this in Matthew chapter 5. 13, and we hear this, this, this glorious calling of you are the salt of the earth. I want to highlight, I'm going to extract two things from today's text. Number one, we're going to see how Christ describes his followers as salt of the earth. And then number two, we're going to see how Christ warns his followers against failing to be the salt of the earth. Number one, Christ, he declares us the salt of the earth. Let's read Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. And the word of God reads, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You notice, first of all, this, 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 this pronoun, you. It's in the emphatic position in the original text. What this simply means is that everybody is not called to be salt. Jesus is uniquely pointing to and talking to those who belong and believe to him. This, this, this is this unique call of those who have been called out from the world, left in the world, to make a difference in the world. He's saying, you, you, just, just imagine. He said, he said if, if, if he's not calling on people who don't know him. He's not asking on your buddy who does not know him, a member of your family who does not know him. He's saying you, you are uniquely gifted and called because you believe and belong to me. You, you, it's a privilege. You are the salt of the earth. Now, when you combine the words you and all, it's a, this is a, a divine combination. It's not seen in any other gospel in the Bible. This you are, it describes the very nature of those who belong to Jesus. 
It is not a command or exhortation. It's, it's a challenge to do something better. Christ is not asking his followers to pray to God to make them salt. And the kingdom, because we have believed and we belong to Christ who is king, who, who is both king and kingdom, he said, because of my work on your behalf, you are salt. Stop praying to God to be salt. It's because what I've done for you that when you've come into my kingdom, I made you salt and left you on earth to be and to make a difference in a world that needs to know me. See, in God's kingdom, character precedes conduct. Grace precedes good works. See, in the kingdom, it's all about being before doing. And listen, Jesus considers who you are more important than what you do. So there are those of us in, that has experienced church hurt because the church has used you. The world has abused you. But when it comes to being a child of the king, who you are is more important than what you offer. Let me, just, let me just say that again. Who you are in Christ is much more powerful than what you do for Christ. But the Lord, he is pleased with what it. Let's not do to be. Let's be to do. This is why I believe community, the church, is so important. Because there is the tendency of a church to use people and not grow people. But there are those of us who, who have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, but we refuse to connect with the body of Christ. When you got saved, when you trusted in Christ as Savior of your life, he is the head of the church. He is the head of, of he is the source of our salvation. But when he saved you, at the same time, he placed you in the body of Christ. See, to be in community is just as important as being in Christ. We should not settle for the head and not enjoy the body that, that comes with it. Because the truth is, in this Christian life, if you've lived it any length of time, it's a hard walk. It's a hard walk to walk alone. And some say it's impossible to live the life God wants for you when you're not connected to, involved in community. See, in community, man, we wanted to, we want to remind you over and over again who you are in Jesus because of Jesus. We simply want to exalt the grace of God in your life, care for your soul, and help you believe the truths that Christ has spoken over your life. And we believe 
that the primary way of doing this is in community. We want to show you that we care more about you than what you can do. And if you find a church that, that does not believe and practice this, can I give you a word of advice? Run. Run fast. Run far. And don't look back. Omni. Um, we want to be a place, we want to be a family that people know that we care more about them than what they can do, give, or offer to a local assembly. We want to love you by showing you the beauty that Christ has, the beauty that who Christ is and what Christ has called you to be. So let me say again, if you go to a church that does not preach, practice this, run. I'm done with that. You are the salt of the earth. Let's not gloss over that last word, earth. If you notice, in verse 14 of Matthew, he says, you are the, you are the light of the world. Here he says, you are the salt of the earth. He uses two distinct and different words in, in describing the earth in but 35 through Luke chapter 14, verses 35 through uh, 35, uh, 34 and 35. It, it says this, salt is good. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for soil or for, or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, in context, Jesus is talking about the cost or what it means to be a disciple of, of his. And one point, he says, if you desire to follow me, you must love more, you must love me more than your mom, your dad, your wife, your kids, and even yourself to be a, a follower of me. He's, 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 he's explaining uh, 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 the cost of what it means to be a Discipleship. Then he says, but 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 if but then in this verse, if you go down in verse 35, he says, it is of no use that it is salt, it's of no use either for soil or for the manure power. Now, now if you look at the word soil in this text and earth in Matthew 5, 13, it's the same word. It's gay, meaning earth, land, gay. It's, it's, he's not referring to the world cosmos. He's, he's, he's referring to the, to the land, to the earth. No, no, no. Get this. The word he used suggests that the soil, it is soil land, and it conveys the idea of the material side of life. This is key. It's critical going forward 
He, it conveys the material side of life. In this text, people are viewed as the earth, and then those who are his are viewed as uh, uh, the salt of the earth. Now, we live in a world where people equate material success uh, with things, with houses, with, with cars. Growth is uh, 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 achieved by what we make and uh, how much fame we have or the pursuit of higher education or, or, or knowing certain people that know certain people. Sadly, there are, there are saints who think the same way. But please don't hear me saying that, man, listen, making more money or, 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 or pursuing a higher education is a bad thing. It's bad when those things have you more than Christ have you. See, the more success we have on earth, the more we should praise and enjoy Jesus. Every promotion, every raise, every new car, new house should cause us to praise God and to thank God. These things should cause us to worship the one who gives all things for us to enjoy. I wonder, has your success caused you to enjoy Jesus? Has your raise or your blessing caused you to enjoy and to praise Jesus? See, he's not against material things. But man, the fear is is that those who know the God who owns all things have gotten caught up in the things and not the giver of things. See, we, the salt of the earth, man, we can, we can really influence and, and arrest the conscience of those living for things and not Christ simply by being content. The world is not used to people who are content. Look, look, listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, 11. Again, listen, get earth. It's referring to the material side of life. Look what, look what Paul says here. He says, I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I find myself. Paul said, I'm not speaking out of need. I don't need anything. I don't need to change my job, change my neighborhood, change the world, he says. Then he says, I know both how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. Paul's conclusion was this, I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. The, the secret of being content, Paul reminds the church at Philippi, is through him. Verse 13, Paul wanted his believers to know that through the person and work of Christ, they could be content. How? By his life, his example, his death, 
his resurrection that made it possible for you and I to be united with Jesus. Who is also in heaven, the Bible says, the, the way of being content is treasuring our union with Jesus. Our contentment on earth is found through Jesus who sits in heaven. We'll never be content with things until we're first content with him. Colossians 3, 1 says this. So if you have been raised with Christ, set your things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. How much do you how much do you make of the fact that you are united with Jesus? Again, we will never be content with things until we are or with or in our circumstance if we are not content in him. Many of you know the story of my wife and I changed our life transformation that we went through five or six years ago. And at one point in this, they, they, they made us sell our cars. So I bought my, my wife the updated Nissan, and I bought myself a 1997 Maxima. I from a 2007 Tundra to a 1997 black Maxima with cracked leather. This car was, uh, I was driving this car and I thought that me buying this car was the noble thing to do. But as I drove my car, now, 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 if you guys know me, I, I, know I have a plate and on the back of my truck that has a handicap sign, which means I am disabled. This disabled sign allows me to park VIP wherever I go. I can park in front of the line, in front of the building. I'm, and, I, and, and, and I enjoy, I enjoy my VIP status. Well, when I got this maximum, it wasn't so much. I had my maximum. I would drive to the same spots that I drove when I had my tundra, but I, would, I wouldn't park up front. I parked somewhere in the back. And then walk up to the front. Uh, I did it at Walmart. Did it, at, did it at each restaurant. I didn't want folk to see what I was driving. Because at the time, what, what I was driving, it gave me my identity. I recall clearly going to Starbucks off, on Carrier God asked God, he, him stopping me and said, you don't believe what I say about you. I said, God, yes, I do. He said, son, no, no, you don't. You're still seeking the approval of man by what you have, what you drive, and what you were. And son, at the end of the day, that's foolishness. 
that you are lying with folk think about you to cause you to park somewhere and, and walk a long distance just for them not to know what you are driving. Son, you have not learned to be content with me. Uh, what, now, 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 God, now we're having this, this strong debate. I mean, God, that's not true. Son, if that's not true, why did you change your behavior? Why did you change what you used to do? Why all of a sudden, because of what you drive, you has changed where I was talking, you know, I didn't last long. He, he quickly won and convinced me, son, you need to change and not change tomorrow, change now. Go get back in that maximum. There's a spot right there. I want you to go up there, get that maximum. And son, listen to me. And make this move knowing that, son, that listen, 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 listen. That you have more with me, more in me than this car that you drive. Y'all, I started parking my car in my VIP spots. And I started to live out the secret that Paul says, man, listen, man, listen. Does what bring you joy? Is it more about what you drive or who you have? I had to learn and grow in the fact that who I have and what I am is more important than what I drive and who I live and what I wear. Now, how do I know this today? Because I promise you, God can take my stuff, take my car, change my job because I have him. And he is enough for me. See, the, the once the world sees people like this who are learning all the time to be content with Christ so they can be content in life, y'all, something changes. One use of salt is fertilizer. That's why he said in Matthew, I mean, in Luke, 1435, if, if, if it's of no use of the soil, uh, so, 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 so salt was actually used to fertilize the ground. It, it, it was meant to produce growth. And I'm saying, and we would never grow in this world if we're not content with Christ. Can I ask you a question? Is Christ enough for you? See, when we are content, we are the sweet are the salt of the earth. When we praise God rather than complain to God about this and that, we are being the salt of the earth. When we believe who we have is way more important than what we have, we are being the salt of the earth. We are making a difference in a world that is discontent. No matter how much stuff they get, how, how, how much of a raise they get, if they don't have Christ, it is impossible for them to be content. But you, you are the salt of the earth. You know him. He loves you and he owns all. He's saying, man, listen, listen, if you just learn how to be content, I promise you, it will make a difference to the world you live in. Are you content or are you complaining? Are you murmuring? Are you 
discontent when you have Jesus. My point is this. The more we learn to be in Christ, the people of the world will take notice and prayerfully want not what we have, but who we have. Does the world want Jesus because of you? Sons and daughters of God, we influence society almost automatically. When we live out being content, not fighting for the next promotion or the next raise, and I'm saying that those are not bad things, but when we're fighting for them rather than resting in Jesus more, that's the issue. You are the salt of the earth. But then he warns about those who fail to be this. He says, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer made good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under one's feet. Another translation of this is this. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its strength, how can, it, how, can salt, how can its saltness be restored? It is not good for anything any longer but to be thrown out and trodden under man, uh, by men. Number one, he is not saying that people can lose their salvation. It's rather than if there's ever a day where Christians' testimonies and influence need to be strong, it's today. Again, back then, salt was used to wilt weeds and to improve the soil at a deeper level. But when the salt lost its strength, see, that's another meaning. When the salt lost its strength, it was good for nothing. The influence of Christians in and on society depends on us being different and not identical. Stop trying to be cool with those who don't know God. See, we are so busy trying to be cool with those who don't know God, they never come to know God. We must be who God has made each of us who are his, holy and different. Not only to strengthen our own testimony, but also the testimony of the church. I like what Dr. Lord Jones says said, the glory of the gospel of the church is as, uh, uh, is, uh, the glory of the gospel is that, the, is that when the church is absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts it. It is when the world, it is then that the world is made to listen to her message. Though they may hate it at first, but the church must be different. We must be holy. We must be set apart. Y'all, we don't have to become part of the world to win the world. We can stand out from the world. And, and the beauty of Christ attracts the world, not to us, but to Jesus. As we live as salt of the earth, man, people are becoming thirsty. People want to uh, stop, stop decaying. They want their lives better. And if that's true, they want Christ through you. 
we have this glorious honor of, 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 of drawing people to Christ through ourselves for his glory. My question is, is your life doing that? Are you allowing the Spirit of God to do just that? Josh Harris, in a book called uh, Stop they in the church, so people date the church and they never married. So he, uh, in his book, Stop They in the Church, in it, he lists 10 must-haves to factor in on when and how you should go about joining the church. That ninth question is this. Is the church, listen to me, is this a church that is willing to kick me out? When it comes to you deciding on a church home, have you asked the question, is this church willing to kick me out? That may seem harsh, but if a church does not exercise church discipline, you should avoid that church. Why? Because when a Christian, when someone claims to be a Christian, and their lives are causing the word of God to be slandered, and or their lives undermine the cult of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, he or she is losing their saltiness. And the church who is faithful to the calling of God began the process of removing that person from membership, treating him or her like an unbeliever in the hope that he or she will repent and be reconciled back to God through the church. The church, when it exercises church discipline, is doing so because you are losing your saltiness. Let me say this. It was a couple who was shacking, living together, knowing that they was wrong. They both claimed to be Christians. And one church, one exercised on them church discipline. And they said, well, how can you say you are the church when God loves me like I am and yet you are trying to kick me out? The pastor said this, yeah, God loves you like you are, but he doesn't leave you like you are. When he calls you, he conforms you to his son. He never saved you to be left like you are. So if a church decides, if if a church knows about you living in a, a, a lifestyle of sin and you are unrepentful and you are refusing to change, God has left it on the church to exercise church discipline on you in a loving and kind way. We're saying that you are no longer a part of this church. See, when we are the father, see, see, so a church. A person would live this out when we know we are salt of the earth, but we are salt for God and not for man. As salt of the earth, we, we, we actually recognize our need to be right with God through Christ. As salt of the earth, we mourn over the cause and effects of sin. As salt of the earth, we depend on God for everything. As salt of the earth, we thirst and hunger for Christ and his ways. As salt of the earth, we show mercy to those who don't deserve it. As salt of the earth, we pursue peace with all men, not just with some men. As salt of 
as the earth. We rejoice when we are lied upon. We rejoice when we are uh, uh, insulted. We rejoice when people do us wrong for no reason as salt of grace. We praise God for his preserving grace, satisfying our thirst with his spirit. And we praise God that he flavors our life with the gospel of Jesus Christ. My president, as we grow in making a difference in the world, only that we will see ourselves as scattered salt in a sovereign sovereign God's hand, making a difference for the glory of him and for mankind. You, you are salt of the earth. Let us by his grace make a difference in all the earth for the praise and glory of our Father who is in heaven. Father God, we thank you that you've called us to be different. By nature, by nature, it's not something that we got to aim for or ask for that because we believe and belong to you. You have called us to be different. And Father God, can, can we just allow in this moment your spirit to examine us right now? Is evil being pushed back because of your divine placing of us? Are people thirsting for Jesus because of our placement in their lives? God, our marriages, job sites, communities, and neighborhoods, are they made better because of how you placed us and how you scattered us through the world? Do we see being sought as a privilege? Are we allowing your spirit to do his work in our lives where things supernaturally are happening because you've placed us and you are willing to work through us for the good of this earth? Do we complain like those who don't know you? Are we ungrateful like those who don't know you, God? Are we tasting and seeing that you are good in every situation? Are we content? Can we ask the question that does does the stuff you give us have us more than the one who, who gives us the stuff? The world needs to see people like this, God. So help us. Keep reminding us that because of what you've done for us, we can be this in, throughout the earth. Father God, we love you and we do thank you. We ask it in your son's name. Amen.